At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Welcome Baptist Health Talk podcast listeners. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco. I'm a preventative cardiologist and lipidologist at Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute, where I'm also Chief of Cardiology at Baptist Hospital and the Chief Population Health Officer at Baptist Health. The pandemic has forever changed the way consumers can access healthcare. With telehealth visits for urgent care and mental health counseling now commonplace, technology that used to be limited to the doctor's office is expanding, being integrated into the home setting to provide a continuous care experience that balances clinical support with self-management. Healthcare technology beyond telehealth was the subject of a recent episode of Baptist Health's Resource Live program, which I had the pleasure to host. My guests were Danny Elfenbein, Director of Consumer and Digital Health Solutions at Baptist Health, Melanie Rodriguez, Manager of Urgent Care Express, Care and Demand, and Infusion Center at Baptist Health, and Dr. Ian Del Conde, Associate Chief of Cardiology and Director of Vascular Medicine at Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute. Let's hear what they had to say. Ian, let's get started um, with you. Um, we know the COVID-19 pandemics drastically changed our lives, um, but you know we're able to stay healthy without having to leave the comforts of our home now with doctor visits and monitors and what. Let's talk a little bit about that. How can we as doctors monitor patients at home using the current technologies and why has that become so uh, important in the COVID environment? So COVID-19 really catalyzed and accelerated changes that had already begun to happen many years prior, but during COVID-19, we had the absolute necessity to empower patients to monitor themselves at home and to establish ways with which doctors could take care of these patients without the need of that physical condition, uh, that physical interaction. And what we learned is that there are many conditions, especially those chronic diseases that are relatively stable, that can be successfully managed remotely, and this can range from a virtual visit, which be, would be not too different to what we're doing now, to more sophisticated technologies such as remote patient monitoring and, and other things that I'm sure we're gonna be talking about today. So, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic uh, at the early stages when we were really struggling to, to figure out where healthcare was going to be able to be delivered, we had a big uh, concern regarding the use of, of, of personal protection equipment, right? Masks and gowns and whatnot. And one of the things I know we would always say is the best personal protection equipment is a virtual visit. <laughs> you're not in contact. You're not having to go to a doctor's office. You're not having to go to an emergency room. So I think that also uh, really catalyzed uh, things. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Um, and, and we saw it. We had a tremendous surge of patients seeing us, but this time it was, it was remotely. So Melanie, um, you know, the smart technology is rapidly evolving. Um, it's hard to keep up with it. There's so much movement in this space. Um, if a provider, if doctors or providers wish to use healthcare technologies, you know, we think that they are a solution for everything. And we do want to review together what are the, the great purposes and uses of a technology. But where, where may, you know, a challenge occur? And can you tell us a little bit about where in your space uh, you're seeing the use of the technology and the uh, virtual capacities really uh, making a difference? Yeah, definitely. So although telemedicine is uh, new to some, it's very exciting. There are a few challenges. Um, so first of all, you need to think about what tech you're using. So if we're talking about like a telemedicine platform, it needs to be 
easily accessible to the patient, needs to be user-friendly. Um, it also has to be safe and secure. So any information that is discussed over that platform or typed into that platform, we have to make sure that it's it's safe and secure, just like your information that you would give to your doctor's office. So um, fortunately, Baptist, our care and demand platform is all compliant with, uh, with all of those necessary uh, things. Um, some conditions we cannot fully treat over telemedicine, but we can still use our telemedicine as more of like a triaging tool. So um, sometimes we'll get on, on telemedicine and we'll just talk things out with the patient. We'll hear about what symptoms they're experiencing, their past medical history. And this may be something that they do need to go to a different um, care site to, to fully diagnose and get a treatment started. For example, back pain, we can treat over telemedicine, but some back pain is different. Um, so we, we listen for those, those key words that may say that there may be something more serious going on. And then if that comes up, we can discuss with the patient, you know, our concerns. And then I think maybe it's best that you go possibly to an emergency department or an urgent care center to um, get further um, testing for diagnosis. Um, some good cases that we see on telemedicine, um, rashes, urinary tract infections, cold and flu symptoms, um, pink eye, allergies, things of that nature um, can, can easily be diagnosed with a thorough um, history and reviewing past medical history uh, with the patient. So, so Ian mentioned some of the, uh, the medical uh, diseases that we can take care of in a, in virtually that would have otherwise been in office and even monitoring disease states. You're uh, alluding to care and demand. Can you go into that a little bit, that, that kind of urgent care, uh, virtual urgent care methodology, what care and demand is? Yeah, definitely. Um, so if we're talking more of acute or episodic care, um, that would uh, easily be taken care of over our care and demand app. Um, so, for example, if you wake up with a sore throat, um, you can get on our Care and Demand application and we can get you set up with a um, PA, nurse practitioner or a physician, and they can talk things out with you. Um, they can actually also use um, what we call a home health kit um, that's, that's for purchase. And we can actually look inside your throat. We can look inside your ears for a more thorough um, physical exam. So um, there's the way to schedule visits and have an appointment with a doctor or a care team provider. Then there's the, I, I don't know what to do. And that's where, again, the opportunity to download the Care and Demand app and have someone on the other side handling that question exists as well. Um, Definitely. Definitely. So we take care of patients who have been on vacation um, and they woke up with a rash. And so they'll just get on the, the app and they'll have a diagnosis um, within 15 minutes. It's fascinating. And we had none of this many years ago. And again, been catalyzed with COVID. Um, Danny, let's go to another uh, use case, if you will, of the technology, which is that of the, the smart homes. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen you and your work and your team's work where home builders are offering now healthcare tech to homeowners when they purchase new homes or condos or apartments. Tell us a little bit about this and tell us some of where Baptist is involved in participating in some of these um, um, smart home capabilities. Thanks, Jonathan. So, you know, it's interesting when we say smart home, uh, just like everything else in healthcare, we have to be clear, right? When we're talking about smart homes, there's a couple of different layers. There's uh, the everyday device, which, you know, my Apple Watch, your Fitbit, and Alexa, and smart scales that people just have because it's part of their everyday life, right? 
Um, and then there's a second layer, which we're starting to see grow, which is consumer purchase health devices, right? And so all of these devices uh, have some connectivity. And then there's a third layer that we might be able to talk about later, which is remote patient monitoring. So when you say smart home, Jonathan, I think from a healthcare perspective, we're really looking at connected health, right? How are you connected to your health outside the four walls of the health system? And one of the ways that we're doing that is we've uh, brought to light the Baptist Health Digital Health Kit, which is powered by Taito Care. And uh, we realized, you know, consumer adoption of anything health related is typically slow. So we've wanted to put it where the, where the consumers are. And we kind of put together a little campaign, healthcare is included, partnered with a, a builder here in the Doral area and across South Florida, CC Homes. And when you purchase a home, a home in uh, Doral at one of their developments, as well as in another part of South Florida, you actually get this device included. Um, so I don't want to say think of the Jetsons because that was a little bit uh, more futuristic, but this is a modern day first aid kit where you have the ability to hold in your hand this device um, that's the size of a Nest uh, thermostat and allows you to look into your ear, look into your throat, listen to your heart and your lungs and transmit that exam directly to a Baptist provider via Baptist Healthcare On Demand. Um, so you think about that, now a consumer buys a home and in that home is this medical device. And what we're doing is skipping the decision point for that, um, for that consumer because they're not likely to go buy these devices yet. We're still too early in digital health. But if we get it to them, we can help that adoption curve a little bit more. I appreciate that. And, and do you see um, an evolution towards the houses themselves, monitoring one's blood pressure, heart rate, and alert, just sensors within the walls? I mean, quite frankly, the technology is there. We're not there to be able to do something with it. But do you see that as an evolution of where we're going with smart homes? Yeah, I think, I think it, to say that the house is doing it is a little bit sci-fi. However, um, beacons placed in your house or beacons placed in your, uh, you know, your Google device, your Alexa device will essentially read what you're wearing, read what you're using, and we'll be able to transmit that out to your medical provider. So, so to that end, um, turn over to Ian. Um, you know, we see the rapid technological advances, things that we are using routinely that a few years ago would have been sci-fi as, as, as Danny mentions, um, where do you see the future of technologies going? And, and also, I, I, if, I, if you could speak a little bit about the other side, which is it's one thing for a consumer or a person to have something that technologically monitors something, but what's the other part of that, which is how you get that to someone who can do something with it of value? So, to, you know, a lot to unpack in that question, but I know you can handle it. <laughs> I think it's uh, an incredibly exciting time uh, to, to, to live in because we're seeing literally the, the early uh, parts of a, of, the, of a new era of medicine and how we do things. And um, the same way that perhaps maybe in the 1950s, people could have not fathomed going to an ATM or doing online banking without the personal relationship with, a, with their banker. I mean, who nowadays has a, a personal banker that they see on a regular basis? I think the same thing is going to happen in medicine. And as we started saying, I think COVID-19 really accelerated that change. Um, there, are, there are many different layers in which this is going to happen, I think. Uh, some people will have these uh, remote monitoring uh, systems to stay healthy, healthy people that use these to stay healthy. And, and I think that to your point, uh, absolutely, there will be 
uh, cloud-based systems plugged in to healthcare systems such as Baptist uh, and have multiple sensors at home that monitor your, your vital signs to speak, uh, to, to, to give an example, like your blood pressure and, and other things. But then you have patients with established chronic conditions and there you can go from relatively simple things that we're gonna be measuring to very advanced uh, remote patient monitoring systems for much more complex diseases. This is the beginning. Talk about that a little bit, Ian, because we've 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 been working towards piloting and now rolling out some of these remote patient monitoring for some cardiovascular conditions. Give give a little bit of uh, of how impactful it has been to you as a uh, as a provider, as a physician, and as an expert. Where where have you seen the real benefits uh, to you being able to deliver care? And then speak a little bit to the patient experience. Right. So I think that I'd start off by saying the current healthcare system has not been conducive to taking good care of certain patients with chronic conditions. And I think that many cardiovascular patients fall into that category. There are a number of different parameters that need to be monitored carefully and treatment changes are based are made based on those parameters. For example, blood pressure. Blood pressure is something that you monitor constantly and sometimes you need to make frequent changes. You don't see a doctor every six months for blood pressure control, especially if your blood pressure is not well controlled. So we established uh, a, a a program at Baptist, a remote patient monitoring system uh, to take care of patients with hypertension, which allowed us to look at these patients' blood pressures almost real time and make very quick changes and numerous iterations that would have not been possible if we had relied uh, in the old system where patients need to make an appointment and come to the office. Um, so I, I like to think about these changes as as, uh, as an air traffic controller, just sitting in front of a monitor, monitoring 10,000 patients, and we identify quickly who's doing well, who isn't, who needs attention. You call, you make the changes, you reassess the, uh, the, uh, the impact of the treatment uh, decisions. And to, to, to your other question, uh, as providers, as doctors, what do we do with this uh, you know, flurry of information that is coming to us? You know. We're just learning. Uh, there's a lot of noise, a lot of signal also, and we're trying to filter and, and determine what's the best way to, to handle all this data coming to us. And it's very exciting because I think we're gonna learn a tremendous amount of information about all these chronic conditions. And um, um, so, so for the patients in the hypertension situation, they get treated quicker, minimal visits to the doctor's office, wind up on less medications because we're able to, as you say, someone's angry and the blood pressure's up, we don't necessarily react and add medications immediately. So lots of beneficial outcomes and I, I appreciate uh, um, that, that evaluation. Melanie, um, Danny mentioned, and you mentioned the Taito kit as an example. What are the other, go through that a little bit, what actually is involved in that, but what are the tools that patients, patients can use when they wanna access their providers or provide information? What are the more common ones that we're seeing? Yeah, definitely. So Dr. Del Conde and Danny both um, mentioned the remote patient monitoring. Um, so Dr. Del Conde talked about how we can use that for chronic conditions such as high blood pressure, um, but we even see it for more acute conditions such as COVID-19. Um, we were keeping people out of the hospital by actually monitoring their oxygen level um, blood pressure and temperature while they're in the comfort of their own home. And then nurses can check in on them. 
um, on a regular basis. Um, with the Taito Home Kits, um, they're, they're very cool. Um, we love seeing patients when they have the Taito Home Kits. So they can actually um, look inside the ear with what's called an otoscope. Um, we can listen to the heart uh, with a stethoscope and um, it also has a tongue depressor. So we can get a more thorough exam of the tonsils in the back of the throat. And it has a thermometer as well. Um, so when we combine the Taito Home Digital Health Kit along with a virtual care visit, um, it creates such a streamlined visit that um, it makes a diagnosis and a physical exam um, super easy. Our providers do feel confident um, in their diagnosis and of their assessment of the patients. Um, so I think, uh, you know, kind of with, with those two uh, together, it, it provides such a great experience for the patient and for the provider. Um, you know, so Melanie, if, if, if one, uh, Dan, I'm sorry, if someone has the kid at home and they arrange for, let's say, a care and demand visit, does the person walk them through how to use it? Or when they get the kit, do they need training? Or again, pretty simple, just do this, do this, do this. What's the experience like? So um, I can actually speak to that as someone, please, please do, sorry. Yeah. as someone who's used it many times. It, it's fairly intuitive. And the beauty of some of this technology, and you might be used to it from the technology you're buying for your house, is it comes as a self-guided tutorial, right? We've eliminated that need to have a person teach you how to do things. Now, this is a little bit different. Most of us have never known that if we pull up our ear, we can get a better view of the inside of our ear canal. But when you have a video telling you how to do that, um, I hate to say this, but DIY healthcare is, is this new area that uh, we're not necessarily saying is good for everything, but when it comes to safely as, um, assessing your ear, your throat, your lungs, and so on with this device, it's um, it's pretty impressive because it is learn on your own. No, I, I don't think anyone's against the do-it-yourself healthcare as long as it's accurate and and yeah. uh, you know doesn't create problems, which is what I want you to talk about right now, Danny. So <laughs> the idea, the idea of you push a button and you get healthcare, it, it's great. Um, I mean, do you see it evolving that this will be for just pretty much most conditions people have? But to that end, what's the downside? I can tell you, and and Ian can speak to this. We're getting all day, night. EKG strips from people's Apple watches, which is great when you have your cardiologist cell phone or email and you can follow them. But, you know, how do we, how do we scale and act all this information that's going to be coming in? You know, Dr. Dokande mentioned uh, getting information and a lot of the noise that's, that's part of that information. So uh, there's a lot of layers to that. I think the first and for the most important thing is we're talking about behavior change, right? And a huge aspect of becoming healthier is behavior change, but the behavior change we're seeing now, is that patients who weren't reporting or self-reporting uh, information, patients that weren't adherent or compliant, right? We always just say, oh, well, if you're not compliant, you're not going to improve. Technology is going to allow for them to actually be more compliant by choice because they chose to be a part of a program or they believe that they need to be a part of a program. So it's going to create a lot of data. I think what we're going to have to see is how that data effectively gets to the right place make sure that it alerts at the right time and place. So right, we don't want, you know, if you're under a program with your cardiologist, we don't want your data going out to anywhere, right? Uh, it needs to go to your cardiology team and the care team, whether it's a pharmacist, whether it's a practitioner, the, the physician, um, who can be there if needed and route you to the care you need or give you the guidance that you need, whether it's a medication change or, or an appointment or so on. Um, but I think what we will start seeing is that as consumers become more empowered, 
we'll see behavior change. As physicians see that behavior change, we're gonna find the ways to filter through that noise, make sure that you and Dr. Del Conde aren't getting messages at midnight at two in the morning all the time from all these different apps. Um, and data is gonna be in the middle there to really help filter, bucket, and send this out to different places. Um, you know, one thing just to be clear on, this isn't like using your Google account that you can log into anything in the Appiverse um, and just, you know, do whatever you want, change your information. This is healthcare. Uh, so it's going to take some time for a good reason for both our patients, our physicians, and the data to find that right kind of um, parallel to be on in order to make us all healthier. You know, so, so, so to follow up on that, people who otherwise would not have access to a healthcare provider, whether they can't leave work or they can't leave the loved one or, or have to stay at home with their kids, will not have access. Healthcare providers who want to be involved in the patient's care more than just when they're in front of them for an office visit will not have access to how they're doing to move things forward. So, so as we're uh, elaborating on those, not just concepts, we're really doing these things. Uh, Melanie, um, where do you see the, the person benefiting the most, you know, in your space, when you're talking about urgent care and care and demand and these other resources, are the majority of your visits really sick people or people who have something, but they just don't know what to do about it? Speak a little bit about where you think this will have the biggest impact for people um, to be able to have connectivity with virtual visits. Yeah, definitely. Um, so fortunately for Baptist, uh, we were already established in the telemedicine um, world before COVID started. Um, so when, you know, COVID affected our nation, um, we already had our providers and we were ready to, um, to treat our community. Um, so when, you know, most of our community was stuck at home, we were able to see them talk to the patient and see, is this something that they really need to leave their house for? come to our urgent cares, come to our ERs, um, you know, and wait and see a provider in person? Or is this something that we can kind of talk about or diagnose over virtual platform? And then we can just write the prescription for them and they can, um, you know, go pick up their prescription. So most of the time for our acute care visits on care and demand, we are able to um, make a diagnosis and establish a treatment plan um, right there over, over the virtual platform. Um, something I wanted to, um, to kind of mention, it's, it's very exciting for us, is our telemedicine side, along with our express care, urgent care side, um, we've kind of uh, collaborated with the support of our medical director, Dr. Mishkin, um, and we've created something that, that's more of a virtual to in-person um, type of care. Um, so that means that we can see a patient over the video platform, uh, for example, maybe you have a urinary tract infection and we can talk about it. I can place the order for a lab order and then the patient will drive to our express care clinics, arrive, get sent right in to leave the, the urine specimen and then they leave and go back home. Then the provider will assess those lab results and then call the patient back um, when we get the test results back. So it allows for more accuracy um, to making those treatment plans. It allows us to send out um, tests for, for further treatment. We've done this a lot also with um, COVID testing. 
So I'm able to, you know, see a patient over the video platform. If I suspect that you may have COVID, uh, you don't have to stand in line. You don't have to sit in the waiting room. You don't have to, you know, sign in again. I order that lab. You arrive at the clinic, you get the test and you go home. Um, so there, there's no waiting. Our patients have had such a great experience um, with this new service that we're able to, to start. Well, this is great information, guys, and, and really great dialogue. Um, now let's take a couple of questions from the viewers. Um, Ian, we'll start off with you. The question is, is wearable healthcare technology like an Apple Watch a reliable source to keep tabs on my health? Great. So many people are purchasing Apple Watches. They have the ability to monitor, amongst other things, for example, an EKG, electrical activity of the heart. If you're a healthy person at low risk of having real disease, I think this is fine. They're useful, people like them. They have reasonable algorithms to sort out normal from abnormal. If you're someone with established disease, they can be helpful for, uh, in monitoring uh, what is already known to be a diagnosis. What is problematic is those people who don't have a formal diagnosis may have disease. Apple Watch is not the way to monitor these people. You still need medical grade diagnostics. The, the sensors that are out there, the Fitbits, the Apple Watches, things that are in development are really exciting, but still from a reliability standpoint, we, okay. we still look for something a little bit um, more sophisticated. Exactly. Appreciate that. Um, I'm gonna go through one more question to answer in, in interest of time. I'm gonna ask each of you to answer it um, to, um, to Melanie, um, what your experiences are, Ian, your experiences, and Danny, what you're seeing uh, in, uh, as an expert in this industry. Um, the question is, what about the older generation that's maybe not so tech savvy? Is this technology user-friendly for them? So, so Melanie, speak with them, um, start with your experiences, what you're seeing. Yeah, definitely. That's an excellent question. Um, but I can say pretty confidently that uh, we see patients of all ages. Um, so if you have access to a desktop computer, a laptop computer, a cell phone, or even a tablet, uh, like an iPad or, or any type of tablet like that, and you can access the internet, we can see you and, and we can have a, a telemedicine visit with you. No problems. And Ian, is that what you're seeing with your telemedicine visits? And speak a little bit to the, the remote patient monitoring exper experience as well. Right. So obviously we started in our practice with a broad universe of people. And as we started using these devices for home monitoring, we did see that there was a small proportion of patients who simply don't do well. Interestingly, age is not always the strongest predictor. Uh, but yeah, you know, <laughs> so some people are more uh, early adopters than others. Uh, but by and large, I'd say that I've been surprised. I think that older people who to adopt the technology pretty well. It's user-friendly. And that would be part of the support we'd want to provide. Um, Danny, what, what, what's, what are the thoughts on this in the industry? Yeah, I think, you know, to close it, um, if we look at it this way, it took most of America eight to 10 years to switch from regular TV to streaming TV. What we saw in 18 months was most of America, about 70% of all physician visits, which is mostly people age 50 and up. We're not talking about the young you know, millennials here. 70% um, of those visits happen via some sort of virtual or digital technology. So the way I always tell people is if you can FaceTime your grandchild or your child, you can have a video visit with your doctor. Some of the technology like devices might require some handholding, but all of that will come in time, just like how we change remote controls on the aging population over the years. It will be easier. 
It will take a little bit of time, but it's going to happen a lot faster than we can imagine. To our listeners, remember that you can send us your comments and suggestions for future topics at Baptist Health Talk at BaptistHealth.net. That's Baptist Health Talk at BaptistHealth.net. On behalf of everyone at Baptist Health, thanks for listening and stay safe. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.